0: Hi, this is Michelle Lee, and you're listening to TV Confidential.
1: Let's talk about this book, Too Busy to Die, okay? Yeah, that, that was... Too Busy to Die, which is just a great, uh, it's a great motto. You don't have time for that nonsense, right?
0: No. As a matter of fact, that came about because I had finished three autobiographies. I, I remember me, 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 I remember me, I just remembered what I forgot to remember. Yeah. And I said to Mel Brooks, what do I do now? He says, write another book. Too Busy to Die. Too Busy to Die. And, and so I, I, I wrote this, which it, is about my life from the time I was six years old, every performance thing I did mm-hmm. from being cast in kindergarten as in Six Who Passed While the Lentils boil. You remember that book? Oh yeah, that's a, <laughs> I, that's a big one with the Irish, yeah. <laughs> 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 I played the headsman, uh-huh. and my mother sat next to a Mr. Scopper, who was the, pre- the uh, principal, and he said to her, that boy is the best one, and for the rest of my life, my mother, anytime she saw me in anything, you were the best one. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential.
2: Radio Talk Show about television, I will devote this week's program to the life and legacy of Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner, the Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, director, and creator of The Dick Van Dyke Show, as well as one of Sid Caesar's original writers on Your Show of Shows, the creator, along with Mel Brooks, of the classic comedy routine The 2,000-Year-Old Man, accomplished film director, and a man who left his mark on three generations of comedians, comedy writers, comic actors and comedy in general. Carl Reiner passed away this past Monday, June 29th, at the age of 98. We have several special guests lined up over the next two hours, all of whom either worked with Carl Reiner or were personal friends of Carl Reiner, and all of whom will share personal memories of Carl Reiner over the course of the next two hours. We also have a couple surprises in store for you at the end of the program. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, as we often do, we'll start the program with some thoughts, from Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen. Tony and Donna are with us via Zoom for this week in TV history. Tony and Donna's segment as always brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. Ordinarily live shows every Wednesday in Valley Village, but in this extraordinary time of sheltering in place. You can enjoy a short Roughly three minute stories on the Facebook page of Story Salon, Facebook.com forward slash Story Salon since our last get together, one of the giants of television left us.
3: Yeah, you know, here, here's the thing. I'd say two weeks prior, we were part of this group and uh, we were asked who were our artistic heroes. And when I started whittling down, you know, it got down to people like Desi Arnaz, Andy Griffith, uh, and Carl Reiner. And, of course, you know, uh, you got Danny Thomas and and, uh, and Sheldon Leonard and all these creative people. But as I was stripping things away, it eventually just got down to Carl Reiner. And I was doing some research on him, uh, just gathering some data as to why this was the person who I would consider the hero. And... I always admired him because he was, first of all, part of the greatest generation, and, he, well, and when he served in World War II, he was part of special services. He did have a performer's background. He was there at the beginning of variety television. He knew that in order to get more stage time, he had to be part of the creative process and got himself into the writer's room. And uh, Sid Caesar's Writer's Room is probably one of the greatest collection of comedic talent. I mean, the fact that we're still talking about that writer's room, uh, even more than the famous Smothers Brothers Writing Room or any other great writing team on a, on a TV show.
2: Larry Gelbart, Woody or, Allen, Mel Brooks.
3: Yeah, Selma Diamond. Yeah. You know, also, yeah, I mean, we think uh, Neil Simon, his brother Danny Simon. Mm-hmm. All of these people went off to do some amazing stuff, but he joined part of that so he could be more of the creative process. And when that experience was done, and he was going to stay in television, you know, he went with the rule: write what you know. And um, he wrote the, you know, what was the original pilot for what would become the Dick Van Dyke Show, which was head of the family,
4: which I watched this morning. Yeah and uh, the seeds of greatness were there. Mm -hmm. Head of the family, Mm -hmm. uh, the pilot was shot in New York and you see New York, I mean, New York, thankfully, is a place that doesn't really change all that much. Mm -hmm. It was more of the typical 50s, early 60s, domestic comedy. The focus of the series was uh, his domestic life, his, his son, and his wife, you did, you did go into the writer's room. Uh, of course, di- different actors playing uh, Buddy and Sally. But it was a very different show. It was cute. Mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke was groundbreaking. There are, every few years, a show comes along that changes television. And I, I mean, ever since, in my opinion, ever since television became a thing. And I think the last truly groundbreaking show Before the Dick Van Dyke show was I Love Lucy.
2: Yeah, if I Love Lucy set the standard for sitcoms, the Dick Van Dyke show set the standard for sitcoms that were half domestic, half office, which is really what sitcoms have been.
4: I I also consider it the first modern-day sitcom. I mean, look, we're going back to the 60s. Yeah. The first modern sitcom... He very Carl Reiner very wisely kept things classic. I mean, every once in a while, a little wardrobe, something that you wouldn't see. That okay, that's obviously the '60s. But he wanted to keep things classic so the show would be around forever, and it, thankfully it has been.
2: CBS aired two of Reiner's favorite shows this past Friday, as we oh. as we zoom this conversation, and not only did they both. Hold up what one one of which was Coast to Coast Big Mouth. Yes, uh, yes which was a favorite. Yeah. And the other was the one where he did not play Alan Brady. He played the he played the eccentric, the eccentric artist. And not only did they both hold up because funny is funny, whether you're watching it in nineteen sixty or twenty twenty, but they both won the time slot for CBS between eight and nine. So, wow. uh, yeah. So
3: amazing. You know, I would say that "I Love Lucy" was part of this amazing experiment. And when the Dick Van Dyke show started, it was like, okay, the experiment works. Yeah. We could go on. The thing about the the one with the artist, and also the one where Laura's foot, yeah. her toe, gets stuck in the faucet. He's being very provocative both ways because we never see the painting mm-hmm. and we never see Laura in the tub but in we're, those episode
2: But we're imagining it.
3: You're imagining uh, this imagery and he got away with it, you know, and, and knowing that the audience is going to picture what the, the painting looks like and knowing that they're going to picture Mary Tyler Moore in a bathtub. Yeah. But never showing it but to be that suggestive, which is also groundbreaking, and it's hysterical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is truly. Uh, both of them are hysterical episodes, and it also shows to the talent of the cast, especially how they're reacting and doing double takes and, and uh, you know, helping you know complete the picture. And of course, you know, the the best part is what you don't see. Yes, you know, like your your imagination is still going there.
4: The writing, was brilliant. It was so. Grounded in reality, and the humor comes out of the real situations, yeah. which I mean, it just, you know, I have said it on this show several times. It is the best
3: sitcom ever. I think also it is a wonderful example. I mean, Carl Reiner was going with write what you know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and he was a writer on a variety show, and he brought that home. Now we have a situation, and we have been to where, you know, the guest speaker is the head of comedy development for whatever network. know, yeah, you can imagine. And the thing that they're constantly pounding is we don't want to see shows that are behind the scenes shows. We don't want to see it behind the scenes of a TV show. We don't want to see the behind the scenes of a radio station. We don't want to see the behind the scenes of a movie studio or a, a theater company. We don't want to see these behind the scenes shows. They say that straight out to anybody who has any ideas that they want to pitch or sell. And then, of course, the next fall comes and it's behind the scenes of this show or it's behind the scenes of a studio or, you know, and they could be dramas or comedies. And people are saying the public doesn't want to see that. But also the critique is, well, the young writers in Hollywood, this is all they know. yeah, Because, you know, now you have a generation that that's what they grew up with their parents may have been involved in the industry. I mean, having been a kid who grew up here, yeah, my mom was an art director at Motown. My best friend, his dad, was an editor at 20th Century Fox. We had another friend who worked in a different aspect of the music industry. Uh, We had, you know, another friend that was a fashion photographer that did all the album covers. And this person's mom is an actress. uh, Or, you know, this person works in animation. So everybody, you know, had this type of connection. So, yeah, I get it that... You would have these people coming into the industry and that's all they know i mean carl reiner was again part of the greatest generation he lived through the depression he fought in world war ii he actually had a full life and the thing that made the dick van dyke show so successful was also taking from the fact that his wife could say something at the dinner table and then that becomes a sketch on tv that really did happen with carl reiner He could have something. I mean, Little Richie is basically Rob Reiner. Yes. And Laura Petrie is basically Estelle Reiner. So she could make a comment at the dinner table. That turned into a sketch that Sid Caesar was in. And, of course, then that becomes fodder for the Dick Van Dyke show. The one where uh, Laura opens the box with the uh, life Mm (laughs) raft. Mm-hmm also that the fact that, that they didn't have the privacy, that anything that happened in the home could be a sketch on the Alan Brady show, yeah. was also fodder for matrimonial conflict that yeah. they might
1: have. Hi, I'm Chris Gathard and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call. Talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous.
2: Tony and Donna are with us. We're riffing about Carl uh, Reiner. Carl Reiner, legendary actor, producer, writer director, one of the true geniuses of television, Carl Reiner, passed away this past uh, Monday, June 29th, at the age of 98. You mentioned uh, Carl's service, Tony. There have been so many tributes, remembrances, stories. Every day we see a new story. We learn more and more about this man you mentioned his service in World War II. He was in special services. Yes. Special services, for those not familiar with the term, it was a unit of the of the Army. Um, it was not the USO, but if it was a unit of the Army, if, if they recognized you were an entertainer, uh, the Army in its wisdom you know, realized you would be better serving the country by putting on shows to provide an outlet of relief to the front-line people than putting you in the infantry. I think it's also important to note that these
3: guys, they were on the front line.
2: They were. They were.
3: You know, they, they were. were. I, I wanted to bring this up because I've had conversations about people, and it you know it comes up every couple of years. Well, you know, Jimmy Stewart was an aviator. He was a hero, and this and, and, you know, you bring up, like, the, the performers who were in special services, well, they were in the real army, I would hear, and I just want to smack them, uh, because they were really on the front lines. They were, can you imagine, uh, like like you brought up the USO, setting up a stage in a battle zone, and you could hear enemy fire yeah. while you are on stage yeah. performing. Uh, yeah, the only difference is that the USO is, is civilians, uh, <laughs> but... You know, And can you imagine, you're doing a song and dance routine, and there's a band playing, and the enemy is close enough to hear the band.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you
3: know, and so you are the biggest possible target at that time.
2: Eileen Graff, star of Mr. Belvedere, her dad, Jerry Graff, was in the same special services unit as Carl Reiner in World War II. Eileen will share a few memories of Carl Reiner. Later on in the program, but in the meantime, here are some of the people in the special services unit that Carl Rainer was in. Howard Morris, fellow alumni of uh, Sid Caesar and yeah. your show of shows. Howard Morris. Hal David. Alan Ludden. Wow. And... I believe their commanding officer of special services was Morris Evans.
3: So you had... Hmm. Yeah, so these people did very well in civilian life. <laughs> yeah. no. Only the best for our troops. <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh, Mel Brooks, I remember he would tease Carl Reiner, and I will give Mel Brooks a pass. Because Mel Brooks was in a combat unit in Europe. Yeah. And you see that Mel Brooks' experiences in World War II come out in his comedy very obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is often laughed off, and I think it is something very – and I would love to hear him speak about this. Because when they were in the writer's room for your show shows, Mel Brooks was always late. And there was always a running gag about Mel Brooks being late. And Mel Brooks would just walk into the room. Oh, did you guys hear? Lindy made it. And then, you know, he would sit down. And uh, Mel Brooks did bring it up at uh, an event that the Writers Guild had that had all Caesar's writers. And it was brought up. He said, yeah, for years and years and years, he could not sleep. As soon as he would start to drift off into sleep, he was back in the war. And so he would be exhausted, and he eventually would, you know, out, and then he wouldn't wake up in the morning. And that's why he was always sick. But he would always haze or tease uh, Carl Reiner. Oh, you were a special services. I was in the real war. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and I said, okay, Mel Brooks can say that. Yeah. Don Rickles was supposed to be in special services and they sent him to the Philippines. You know, when he enlisted, he was already pursuing an acting career. He was yeah. pursuing an acting career, not a comedy career. Right. Uh, but they, they sent him to the Philippines. Uh, they didn't put him in uh, special services. Since Caesar was a musician in special services, mm-hmm. he had not made the transition into comedy just yet. So, And then there were also people that were, at the time, like Cary Grant. It was an effort between President Roosevelt and Winston Churchill saying, you are going to serve your country better if you do not join the fight. Yeah, Because he wanted to join the RAF, and they said, no, we need you to stay home, and we need you to fight the war effort from home because they thought if something happened to him, it would be so devastating to morale. So there were a lot of people who did their part at that time, and I and I always want, especially especially at that time period, their efforts should all get recognized. The Armed Forces Motion Picture Division as well, I mean, these were very, very talented people that did a lot for that effort.
2: Tony and Don are with us via Zoom as we dedicate this week's edition of TV Confidential to the memory of Carl Reiner. Later on in the program, we will hear from comedy historian Jeff Abraham, as well as Eileen Graff, Rosalind Kine, Moosey Dreyer, and Loretta Swit. All of them either knew or worked with Carl Reiner one way or another. You mentioned uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Now, I think we talked about this in one of our previous Zoom visits, but um, this goes back to March of this year. This this was within a week or two of when sheltering-in-place restrictions became the norm throughout the country. CBS this morning did a nice little piece. I think Ben Mankiewicz was the correspondent for it. And he interviewed Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. It was done via Zoom. And like a smart interviewer, Mankiewicz pretty much stayed out of the way and let Carl and Mel be Carl and Mel and that was the segment. But at one point, I don't remember whether it was Mel or Carl, but they brought up the song We Did It Before and We Can Do It Again, which is one of the old War War II fighting songs. Yeah. And for the both of them, that was their mantra. You know, for however long this thing lasts, that was the thing that they would return to. And again, you talk about gravitas Okay, maybe Carl didn't see the same war that Mel did, but the fact that they both served our countries—the image and that earworm—you know—comes to mind. It's playing in the back of my head right now.
0: I think the only way to get through this crisis is to sing a World War II song, and that song is "We Did It Before and We, we Can, can do, do It Again." again. Uh, we, we can, can do, we do it again. again. Yeah. I'd rather sing. Uh, can't close him. You open Carl up, there's no closing.
2: Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner from the April 5th, 2020 edition of CBS Sunday Morning. Carl Reiner passed away this past Monday, June 29th at the age of 98, we will continue our tribute to Carl Reiner when we come back on TV Confidential.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules, I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones, I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison, I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy, funny ones. I talk to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous.
4: Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative. Something new, funny, astonishing sunset magazine says tales tall tragic and tantalizing all of this makes story salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available you can learn more about us by going to our facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com.
2: one more item if you or someone you know is the recipient of a structured settlement that calls for payment to be spread out over a period of time, but find yourself needing cash in hand today, you can get your money right now in one large payment by calling the Structured Settlement Cash Hotline at 800-965-7987. This is an extraordinary time right now. All of us have been hit by the global economic crisis, and all of us can use a little extra cash. If you have a Structured Settlement where you're being paid over time, but you need your money a lot faster than that, either to pay your bills or to help a family member or a loved one who's been affected by the global health crisis, call the Structured Settlement Cash Hotline at 800-965-7987. The call is free, takes about 10 minutes, could change your life. Structured Settlement Cash Hotline, 800-965-7987, 800-965-7987.
0: Accredited by Guinness World Records. Welcome to Archival Television Audio, Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive. Preserving the audio from television's first three decades. The 1950s, 60s, and 70s. The golden and silver age of television.
3: For more information, go to atvaudio.com.
2: Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear,